Hello. Welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bums podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, and today's guest is Hilary Jackendoff, a yoga nidra meditation teacher of teachers. She's a unique package. She kind of combines this New Jersey tough vibe with this ashram living monastery living meditation kind of sage it's a very cool thing she like cusses a lot and she's really silly and funny but then also super deep and super well informed about how the brain works and how we can create more intuitive intentional calm lives for ourselves and those around us so in this episode we really dive into the breath we talk about healing we talk about personal development and we laugh a lot hillary is fun and the vibe is really high she's a great human being i feel like we could be best friends we talked briefly about escaping to australia together which was a funny moment and uh yeah you're just gonna dig it you're gonna dig this episode you're gonna laugh you're gonna learn some shit and it's gonna be great so enjoy oh also you can follow hillary online at meditation chick and you can download some of her meditations for free on insight timer and i'm also going to include a couple links in the show notes to help you go straight to the good stuff right to the yoga nidra stuff that we discussed in this episode okay enjoy these noises in your ear bones the other main thing that i often do is is purposely not research yeah, everything that. about yep. the person because then I feel like the podcast energy will be driven contrived yeah. or I won't be excited to hear things yep. you know and I feel like that sort of boredom and monotony will translate to the listener yeah so I'm kind of like doing enough research to have some ideas about who you are and what you do and some potential directions okay. but yeah, basically I just chase the flow and I just chase the fun and that's perfect that's I don't want to direct anything yeah. then that's okay ideal oh. how do you say your last name it's phonetic Jackendoff <laughs> yeah you like, got yeah. teased a lot no no somehow I was yeah. awesome yeah good <laughs> my brother got teased awesome. <laughs> mm. I managed to come out of it unscathed my brother's name's Ben Ben Jackendoff. Yeah. Right? Because that's even like a past tense verb, right? Yeah. Like, what have you been doing? Right. Ben Jackendoff. Yeah. Ben Jackendoff. Yeah, that's kind of a juvenile fun place to start. Isn't it? Yeah. No, I never had that. Good. Yeah. And I kept my maiden name in yeah. my marriage. Why'd you do that? Because it's funny. For real? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're like, I could take your name, and I'm open to that, but it's not as funny as mine, so I'm going to keep mine. Yeah, that's it. Good for you. Well, it's a conversation starter. I mean, literally, we just started this one with it. And, like, it makes the DMV better. It makes, like, banks better. It makes life better. It makes people's days a little funnier, and then they go on, and they're like, Yeah. met this chick. That's what you're known for. Yeah. Uh, okay. 
Hilary Jackendoff, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. It's an honor. It's a pleasure. I'm excited to hear all the things. But for those who are listening who have no idea like, who the heck you are, who are you? What, what's your deal? What's my deal? Yeah. So I teach meditation. I teach yoga nidra. I teach people how to teach those things. You teach, teach the teachers. I teach the want the people who want to be teachers. Um, and I'm really obsessed with sleep. Really obsessed with sleep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. I want, I want people to go to sleep. Mm. Yeah. You want people to go to sleep. Well, I want them to get enough sleep. Mm. Yeah. I agree. I talk about it a lot. I heard this podcast with Joe Rogan, and he had this author on, Matthew... Matthew Walker? Yeah. That's the one. That's the book. That podcast changed my entire life because it changed how I looked at sleep. Uh-huh. It, like, in a truly fundamental way where I was, like, I was shook. Yeah. It's unsettling. Reading that it's book... unsettling. I don't recommend reading that book. I recommend reading it, but yeah. not before going to sleep. Oh, and it was such a good podcast because this dude, Matthew Walker, is a researcher. Yeah. And he is just a fountain of scientific studies, findings, research. Like, oh, you know, if you do this, 12% more likely to die. Like, he had the stats to back it up. Yeah. And since then, I've been, I was always of the opinion that sleep is obviously important. Like, we need it because we do it that one fucked me up yeah in in like an inspiring way like totally. you're like i'm getting my seven to nine come yeah. hell or high water yeah so i have an app called sleep timer i think oh that yeah like i have that gives too. you a score based yep. on your night's sleep which is fun um but okay so you are helping you're into helping people sleep better yep meditate yep and you said yoga nidra uh-huh which is what um, it's a meditation technique from the yogic tradition and it translates to yogic sleep. The way I kind of explain it, I mean, I, I could talk about it for the rest of the podcast, but that wouldn't go on. We have other things. That I, feel, <laughs> I feel like we could get, have more fun than that. Yeah. It's, it's a really beginner friendly meditation. It kind of functions like on the lowest level as a deep relaxation meditation, but it, it gets kind of wild sometimes. Like it, it takes you really deep, really easily. And it, it sort of trains, it sort of rewires your nervous system and rewires your brain so that you can actually um, get better quality sleep. Like a lot of my students wear sleep trackers and Fitbits and they show me the stats like after they after they practice yoga nidra, like how they sleep that mm -hmm. night compared to how they sleep other nights when they don't practice. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's pretty cool. And so when you say practice yoga nidra, is that sitting down and listening to a you, meditation you, track or something? You or? lie right down. So you lie down listening yep. to the thing. Yep. And then I'm in your own, I'm in your house in your studio, you have a microphone. So you record these meditation, guided meditations? Yeah, totally guided. Okay. Yep. And so I usually do this at the end. Like, where can people find those? Are you on Insight Timer? I'm on Insight Timer. Um, I'm actually 
hopefully by the end of today, mm. I will have a free offering on my website with uh, cool. a new yoga nidra for sleep and um, five sleep meditations and a sleep guide. Right. Yeah. So by the time this is out, it'll be out. Hopefully, yeah. Fingers crossed on my yeah. developer. Yeah. Literally today. Yeah, all right. So everybody should just sleep better. And Hillary, thanks for being on the podcast. See you later. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, everybody. Uh, okay, so I know that you have... Uh, I read your, your bio on your website that you lived in a monastery, you lived in an ashram, you made a pilgrimage to India. And so I feel like that's a place to start. Yeah, we could do that. What, where do you want to start? Yeah, that's perfect. Um, okay. Yeah, so... So what the... How do you do that stuff? Well, after college, I was backpacking around New Zealand with an ex-boyfriend, and... What a sense of <laughs> The one that got me into ASAP rap. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> underground hip-hop. So I was backpacking around New Zealand, yeah. and uh, we were actually kind of like on the verge of breaking up, mm. and I was like, oh, shit, this has got to end. And we were going to go on this, like, five-day camping and backpacking trip, like, in the wilderness together. And I was like, this does not feel like a great idea, you know? Like, right as the relationship is crumbling yeah. and you're like, oh, God, we're going to have to set up a tent together. I have to sleep next to them. Oh, sleep days. next to them. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, he is a lovely guy and, you know, we're still in touch, but... Love and light to him. Love and light. He's, he's a great guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, bad timing. So I ended up going on a yoga retreat to an ashram instead of going on that camping trip. Oh. I basically was just like, actually, just kidding. Bye. So I went to this ashram and I kind of like had no idea what I was getting into and I rock up on a Friday afternoon and they're like everybody's got shaved heads and robes and and they're like we're doing a Vedic fire ceremony this afternoon would you like to help us prepare and I'm like what the hell are you talking about what shit show cult did I just wander into mm -hmm. um fast forward I ended up in that cult <laughs> um <laughs> So anyway, I practiced meditation there. I practiced kind of like integral yoga, um, learned a whole lot. And I was like, you know what? I want to kind of see how this plays out. And I went to India the next year. Um, Wait, how long were you in that ashram for? I was there like just a little over a week. Okay. And then I kind of went back to my little backpacking adventure. So you guys broke up. Yeah, we broke up. So you broke up. Like, I'm not going camping. I'm going to go live in an ashram for a week. Yeah, it was like a retreat. Okay. Yeah. And um, and then we actually continued to travel the rest of New Zealand together, broken up, which was, in retrospect, ill-advised. Challenging? <laughs> Some might say. <laughs> uh, yeah, in a camper van. <laughs> you're like living in a van together. Yeah, exactly. How long did that last for? Uh, like two more months. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> yeah it's rough that's a thing yeah um but anyway i went to new zealand or i went to india the next year um with the people that ran that ashram in new zealand and then i kind of went like all in um, Wait, so hang on you went to new zealand or india 
India after New Zealand. How long did you go to India for? Two months, two and a half months, something like that. So what's it like being in an ashram in India for two months? Um, well, I wasn't... In the I'm going to ask a lot of yeah. questions that are very basic. Yeah, that's because good. Because I'm just intrigued and I don't... I've never done these things. Yeah. I've never broken up with my boyfriend and lived in a van <laughs> together for two months. Give it a try, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I was in India. I was on kind of like an organized retreat as a, like a tantric chakra yoga meditation retreat um and it was it was pretty intense like I I didn't really know what I was getting into again um and it's like cold water bucket showers um lines of like a hundred people to get your bowl of dal and I'm like oh my god get me the food Mm. um and um yeah, we did a lot of intense practices, and I took initiation into that lineage of yoga. So hang on, wait, what's an intense practice? Like, I mean, a lot of, like, intense meditations and, like, just kind of a lot of things in a very intense environment. Like a deep dive into yeah. ashram life? A deep dive into meditation, a deep dive into, like, um, into the chakras, which, like, was really weird different emotional experiences were coming up every single like in exact relation to the chakras every day it was really weird well i guess it makes sense and uh yeah and then i i took initiation into that yoga lineage like you joined the cult i joined the cult yeah and what, what did you have to do to take initiation just be like hey give me a mantra and they're like you're in did you get like a special name or something i got that later okay but so yes i do okay yeah so for the initiation though you're like hey i want in the gang yeah and they're like cool you're in they're like hey what's your what's your birthday what's your time of birth let's uh give you a personalized mantra and uh welcome to the club oh and then when they give you the mantra is it a secret? Yeah. Like, you can't tell anybody, right? It's none of your business. I didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but it's like it's like a top secret. Like, this is for you yeah. from the higher source. Yep. And it's your thing forever. Yep. Right? And you use it how? So, um, my tradition kind of offers different ways to work with the mantra, Um, you can work with the mantra in relation to the breath. Um, you can think the mantra, which is kind of the, the technique offered by transcendental meditation, Mm. um, Vedic meditation. Yeah. There's a few different kind of ways that you can work with it, but it's, it's yours to kind of, kind of fuck around with. Yeah. Yeah. I like that style. (laughs) You, You seem to have a very powerful blend of, uh, of like hardcore meditation knowledge and this kind of like so you so when I read your bio and I like looked at your website and stuff I kind of had this vision of you and then I showed up to your house and like met your husband and and you're like not that person I pictured like incense burning and you kind of like floating whimsically <laughs> down the hall you know? I'm really bad at branding my website <laughs> no you does not yeah. reflect who I am and then you were talking about hip-hop and stuff <laughs> and using profanity and I'm like oh we're gonna be best friends this is fine I got off track no no you're right on track man yeah we're always I need track. to rebrand <laughs> no 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 okay so you you've got your secret mantra yep you're in India for two months Doing the hardcore 
I presume like long hours every day of meditation and yeah, it was workshopping. it was pretty intense. It was a while ago, so yeah. you know memory does get fuzzy. Yeah. So I don't want to like say we meditated for right because it was in two thousand and eight. Yeah. I was a young buck. Young buck. So then you yeah. leave India, and then what happens? Then I went to f- back home to Jersey, and I started working in Philly for um, for Greenpeace. Okay. And I think that was right after India. It's fuzzy. Um, but I I was working in Philly, got in a relationship kind of thing, and, and then I was like, you know what? This also is done. Um, and I was like, I need to go deeper into this yoga business. And there were a couple places, two places in the world where you could train um, within this particular yogic lineage, the Bihar School of Yoga. Mm-hmm. And... One was in Ohio, and one was in Australia. Oh, I mean... Well, I actually signed up for the Ohio training. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Ohio? <laughs> Hell yeah. Gotta go. Somebody right now is listening in Ohio like, and they're oh, like... <laughs> man. Ohio's cool. Yeah, totally cool. I'm biased because um, I'm Australian, though. No, you're not. I am. Seriously? Yeah. You have Australian citizenship? I do. Fuck, I'm leaving my husband. No, well, that's... Let's go. <laughs> You can, you can, uh, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Josh would understand. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, so, my fantasy was an Australian firefighter. Oh, I'm, I'm not you that. Don't, you don't fight I'm fires, a, do I'm you? I'm a scientist. Fuck. So, yeah. Foiled again. We just get divorced. <laughs> so, you, so you signed up for Ohio. And they canceled it due to low enrollment. Oh. And like that particular year. Year. Um, in that particular training class. And I was like, well, I already decided I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. So I went to Australia. Right. Yeah. Which part of Australia? Um, Central coast of New South Wales, Mm -hmm. about an hour and a half west of Sydney. And how long were you there? Two years. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's a chunk. Yeah. In an ashram? In an ashram. So another ashram. Another ashram. (laughs) Okay. And (laughs) Number three. (laughs) Numero tres. And what happened in this ashram? Uh, it was fantastic. I trained. So it was a two-year training. Yeah, it was a two-year two training. What? It's a. It was an Australian government-certified vocational training, so Australians could actually get paid by the government to go and study yoga. Wow. Yeah, which is amazing. I had to pay. Right. And go into credit card debt. Yeah. To fund the training. Yeah. Um, but it was worth it, and I lived at the ashram, and. Did my studies as a resident and uh, did a lot of karma yoga, which is also known as work. So oh, yeah, it's like when you're farming and stuff? It's like anything done with service? total awareness. Oh. Yeah. So like any action, the yoga of action, like in the Bhagavad Gita, the, like yeah. there's no discussion of postural yoga. It's like bhakti yoga, jnana yoga, and karma yoga. Okay. So can you please unpack that? Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, just I get just, the my book. brain kind of was like, what? I'll just, so there's, just it's right so, there. Just uh, dig the, in. The Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. Um, what's the Cliff's Notes version? So, the, what is the, so for people listening that are like, what's the Bhagavad Gita? Sure. So, the Bhagavad Gita is, is actually a pretty small text, um, incredibly important within Hinduism, incredibly important within the yogic tradition. Um, it's a small segment of this like Indian epic called the Mahabharata. 
Um, and within the Bhagavad Gita, it's it's kind of this like tale of Lord Krishna in kind of like human form, um, talking to this warrior Arjuna who is about to go into battle and he's like, but I don't want to fight, man. And Krishna's like, dude, you must fight. It is your duty. You must act. This is, this is the way life works. You can't just sit on the sidelines of the battlefield of life. You must act. Mm. Um, and he goes into like this whole kind of really beautiful, really powerful, and very much still applicable um, spiritual teaching on how to live well. Um, so karma yoga is the kind of teaching of putting all of yourself into everything that you do. So like if you're cleaning a toilet, you clean that toilet fucking perfectly and then you let go of results. So you're like, yes, come and use the toilet. Go on. Mm. I just cleaned it perfectly and now it's going to be disgusting again. And that's fine. Do you like that metaphor? Uh, yeah, that's like, <laughs> yeah, great. So it's it's about letting go of results, but um, just impermanence as well. Impermanence, um, like the teaching. I mean, it's common in all spiritual traditions, right? It's the teaching of you take responsibility for your actions, and you put you know all of yourself into your actions. You you act with total self awareness, um, and then you let go of the results. Mm. So that's karma yoga, okay. essentially. Right. And so it sounds like karma yoga could apply to every moment of life. A hundred percent. Okay. So, yeah. So at the ashram, ashram in actually translates to place of labor. Um, and the, the thought is kind of like, it's a place of labor mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So um, your days are pretty full. Like your days start at 5.30 in the morning. They go till like 8.30 at night. Mm. You're scheduled the majority of that time doing work. There's some time for meditation, some time for like chanting, some time um, for yoga. But the bulk of your time at an ashram is work. So people are like, you know, they're like, oh, you're... You're going to be going to a yoga ashram. You're going to be, your body's going to be amazing. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be sitting behind a computer eating and wearing loose fitting clothing, putting on 20 pounds. Yeah. And that's what happened. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like peeling potatoes and yeah. repairing old chairs yep. and sweeping. and Yep. Folding laundry. Mm. Yep. Okay, so you, you're in Australia two years, another ashram, and then you leave there. Yep. And so how do, how do you get from there to kind of where you are now as a meditation yoga nidra person? Um, well, I moved to L.A. From Australia? I was home in Jersey at my mom's for a couple months. And then I moved out to L.A. and I was like, I'm going to come out and see what happens. My brother's here. My nephew's here. No, I was actually only planning to come out for six months. Oh. And uh, just to like try it? Just to kind of try it out, spend some time with my nephew, see my brother. And then I was going to go back to Australia and like tooth and nail fight for citizenship and do whatever. Oh, yeah. So that's why I was like, yeah. come on now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. 
Um, and then I met my husband the week that I moved to LA. Oh. And then I was like, That's fun. see you later, Australian fireman dream. Yeah, and you met yeah. a, a Los Angeles musician. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean... That's not his full time. He's oh. yeah, but whatever. In my head, it is. Okay, cool. Yeah, he's a musician. He's amazing. Did you know when you met him that it was going to be like a long term thing? Like, was it the moment of like that's the one? Absolutely not. Oh. Um. <laughs> What's the like? Do you mind sharing the? Yeah, sure. Let's just run tangent after tangent. I love tangents, man. Me too. This is called being a human and the art of conversation. Um, I like that reframe. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so basically, so my husband and I, we were a 99% match on OkCupid. Wow. Yeah. And he kind of told, right? I had answered a lot of questions. I'm really into self-inquiry. Yeah. Um, and answering questions. Yeah. Um, so we were a 99% match. And... He told people before our first date, he was like, worst case scenario, I'm going to date this girl for six months. Worst case scenario? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Was, he was like... He's like smitten? I think, like, we just kind of lined up, like, our sense of humor, our values. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. And then, like, I've never heard that described that way. The worst case scenario of the first date yeah. is I date her for six months. Yeah. He just knew, like, this is going to be a thing. Yeah. Wow. And then he just kept asking me out on dates. I mean, that's how it works. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, there was no, you know, it, there wasn't any kind of, like, moment in the first date where I was like, this is it. Yeah. It was just this progressive, like, I don't really believe... That people should be looking for, like, this incredibly, yeah, this idea of the one, this romantic notion of, like, I knew from the moment, you know? Mm. So. Why why do you think, or what's the alternative to, to then looking for that? Or what's your kind of philosophy on that? I think actually taking the time to get to know someone and seeing what builds and seeing what develops and getting off your fucking dating apps as soon as you meet somebody that you want to just see what happens with. Mm. Because I think the grass is always greener mentality and the constant swiping does not serve people well. Mm. John Butler has this great line, the grass is always greener, but just as hard to mow. Nice. (laughs) right? That's exactly it. And I think a lot of people too are at a core sort of subconscious level. There's a fear that this person might be my person and they might be the one. And then what does that mean? That's kind of terrifying because that's never happened to me before. And that unknown, uncertain future is really scary. A hundred percent. So I'll just avoid those feelings and just continue swiping. And keep swiping, yeah. Nitpicking or... Yeah, I have a lot of people that I know who are single and are just like... You know, when they tell me about their dates and the stuff that is a deal breaker, I'm like, that's not a fucking deal breaker. You're being an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, what's an example? (sighs) I don't even... He didn't pass me the salt. Yeah, stuff like that. Like, Mm. you know... It's not a deal breaker. (laughs) You're just being an asshole. Or afraid, which is... It's understandable, but like... 
you know, I think that a lot of people could be excellent partners for mm. for people, you know? Like, there's a lot of matches. It's this notion of, like, the one is damaging. Did, did you ever think about, like, oh, but he's only a 99% match? <laughs> like, maybe there's my 100 out there? Not really. You're like, 99's. A plus. 99 solid. Yeah. You know, and it could have just been an algorithm glitch. Like I right. clicked like very important that he likes pizza when really it was only moderately important, yeah. you know? You, like accidentally skipped a question. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's let's dive into meditation and yoga nidra stuff. All right. If that's cool. Yeah. Because I feel like you have a lot to say and that you know a whole lot about that stuff. I mean... I mean, you are an expert. Medium. Well, that's just... Is that just humility? <laughs> no, I mean, like, I'm I'm 35. Like, I... Yeah. It's, it's not humility. It's, like, it's honesty. Because the amount that I've learned just in the last two years is mm. absurd. Right. So, like, I am... You know, I had illusions in my 20s that, like, I knew a lot of stuff. And now I'm, like... I'm just scratching the surface. Mm, it's like the, the more you know, the less you know sort of thing. Totally. Mm. Totally. And I, I mean, I thought to, I wouldn't mind touching on this because it's kind of an important piece. I, I thought like I had found all the answers with my lineage and with the tradition of yoga. Mm. And then, um, yeah, sex scandals. This Bikram? No. Oh. But have you seen that documentary? Oh yeah, it was so oh, uh, Jesus a, Christ. It's a good documentary. It's on Netflix yeah. if you're listening. Bikram, I think it's called. Yeah. It's okay, uh, so, unsettling. So in your lineage there was more sex scandals? There were sex scandals. It doesn't invalidate the teachings. Like I'm yeah. not of the mindset like scratch the surface of any spiritual tradition, any religious tradition. You'll find some shit. Any non profit like, you know, like any institution any institution scratch the surface and there's going to be there's going to be stuff to uncover there's going to be shadow and that's the same with all humans Mm -hmm. so but so for you what what uh, when you're talking about you thought you had all the answers but then these scandals came how did that affect you um it honestly was right when i first started teaching in la and i was like teaching at a higher level than i'd ever taught before and on a bigger stage and like if you are familiar at all any with, with like the kind of LA wellness scene, it's a behemoth and it's, it's like, it's a lot. Mm. Um, and to kind of be a part of it in any way, um, is like, it's a big responsibility. So like I was dealing with kind of like, wow, this is what I'm doing right now. Um, I moved from the ashram and now I'm like teaching at this new meditation studio and like teaching all these fancy folk. Um, folk. <laughs> and it felt like a big responsibility. And at that same time, the ashram where I had lived in Australia was like being rocked by this kind of like um, dredging up of a sex scandal that happened in the 80s that mm-hmm. I knew about. Like there were never any like it wasn't hidden. Right. We kind of called it like the dark days. And the ashram did like a complete turnaround um, but this, this kind of scandal erupted with like people that were victims of that mm. situation and they kind of banded together, came forward to tell their story and 
you know, the people that were in charge of the ashram then, a lot of them are dead. Like many of them mm. have moved on, left the tradition, whatever. Mm. But the people, my friends, were who were running the ashram when I was there, um, were kind of left holding the bag of this situation. And India, the gurus in India, kind of washed their hands of it and didn't support their uh, victims. They didn't support the victims, but they also didn't support the people in charge of the ashram that were being dragged through the mud and uh, like being forced to testify and dealing with the fallout. And India was kind of like, thought you guys handled this in the 80s. Peace out. Mm. And that response from India, I was just like, nah, fuck this. That's not what I'm a part of. So mm. that was kind of like... So I was like shaken. Like you took the lineage off the pedestal, so to speak. Took the lineage off the pedestal and was like, you know, I'm post lineage is kind of what I've come to now Mm. of like a a deeper integration of all lineages um, with respect to the teachings that I've received. I love that. Yeah. And so you kind of, have you set off on your own way to teach in your own way? 100%. Okay. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Like what's your... What, what's your post-lineage vibe? <laughs> My post-lineage vibe is, like, you know, it's it's not very marketable. It's not very brandable. No, it's... that's just a story. That's limiting belief. Anything's oh, marketable. Oh, shit, Jeremy. I didn't like, realize. They can sell cigarettes to people. I like... didn't realize. <laughs> yeah. I just blew your mind. But, no, you know this. <laughs> I'm really all about, um, I used to want to tell people the answers. Yeah. You know? doesn't work it doesn't work yeah and i used to believe that the tradition the lineage had all the answers and it doesn't no and now i really just want people to um look find out how they can be their own teacher and empower them so that they can start that process um of trusting themselves more deeply and not giving their power away Because there's, you know, it's not just like these hardcore yogic lineages that kind of disempower you. It's like the whole kind of healer culture. And I fucking hate that. It's like, I have the answers and just pay me this and I'll draw out your demons and detoxify your soul. Mm. It's bullshit. Mm. You know? Yeah, keep ranting. (laughs) I like this part. I mean, that's it. That's it. It's like, you know, we the all scene? Is the that guru like scene, the, but it, the it's, online influencer scene, or what are you talking about? Um, it's anybody, any kind of like. I mean, it it, it applies in a lot of ways, but I don't want to call people out or anything. Yeah, like you don't that. have to name names. Like but... like a dick. Yeah. Um, it's really just this kind of per- perpetuating the idea that. If you listen to what I say and follow these things that I tell you to do or pay me a bunch of money, you'll find healing. Mm. Because I don't believe that's possible. What do you believe? Um, Well, I believe that we all have to dive deeper inward and figure out what is true for us and figure out what feels right for us. Um, kind of like post-lineage, post-modern, you know? Mm. And so how do, how do you help people do that? 
Like you did that through your meditation classes or your guided yoga nidra stuff? Yoga nidra is kind of a little bit of a different situation. Is that like situation. a thing that's like, let's help people sleep better? Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and helping people let go. Because the idea that doing more and working harder in relation to our spiritual growth and any kind of personal healing that we're seeking, I don't believe that that applies. I believe that we need to hold our stories more loosely and we need to trust in the unfolding more fully um, and that nothing's going to really be gained through like white knuckling your way towards growth, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I, I agree. And I think we have similar sort of values or principles around that philosophy. Excellent. Like, so for coaching, for example, I've worked Let's with just a- like... Let's change like, the world. Let's, let's change the world and let's tell each other that we're right. Yeah, we're totally right. <laughs> but I, I do agree that, like, I, I think that a good coach never says, you should do this. Right. Or, or you need to do this. Yeah. I think it's more along the lines of asking a lot of questions or helping the person have an insight or an epiphany internally to then maybe listen to what's happening inside, trusting their gut recognizing that they have a gut in the first place that they're ignoring or avoiding yep. and really diving internally and recognizing that you already have all the answers to all the questions that your brain is creating. A hundred percent. And that's, that's like a hard thing to sell to people Yeah. because yeah, pay me <laughs> to tell you that you already know all the things you pay need me to know. tell me that you don't need me. Yeah. Why? Well, I always joke that yeah. like, my long-term business plan is to put myself out of business. Dude, I say the same thing. We're best friends. Oh my god! Like I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. You know, I want to be. I I don't like to take any credit for people's. Yeah, it feels weird. It feels very uncomfortable. It's like and you it, changed my life. You're like, no, you you did all of that. Yeah. Like I just like I'm kind of weird and asked you a bunch of questions and yeah. made you laugh. Yeah. How do you deal with it? It's It kind of varies. Like, I work with some people one-on-one um, with kind of like a coaching focus. Um, and I'm looking more to get more fully into mentoring teachers mm. because that's really important to me to ensure that teachers are established in that knowing and they're not kind of like, you know, that they're confident enough in themselves and their abilities to guide people well, that they know how to step back. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's that trusting element, I suppose. Yeah. So I really I love building, um, building people's confidence and helping them trust in their own abilities there. Um, teachers, especially with one on one clients, a lot of them, I'm kind of just like a I'm kind of a luxury service, to be honest. What do you mean? Like, I just rock up and, like, we go in their bedroom and they lie down and I guide them in a meditation. Cool. Yeah. And then you leave? And then I leave. And they're like, that was amazing. Yeah. I loved it. That's it. That's cool. Yeah, it's really weird. You have a weird job. I really, really do, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah. Do you have that, I mean... Do you do it kind of off the cuff, intuitively, every time? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so that, a lot of yoga nidra. Um, you're just, like, channeling some shit? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
how did you, like I don't even know where it's like rad. I, 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 I do I've been sort of diving more into a similar idea like when I'm on stage talking what are you doing people. on stage just like speaking and you do speaking stuff shit. yeah you're so you know, cool I don't know anything talks. about you yeah I mean I'm, I'm a yeah I mean this is why it's fun right yeah. this conversation yeah so like I just spoke to um at my friend Selena Gray's event in Edmonton called she's a money boss live and it's like 160 female entrepreneurial types and she like flies me out there and Amazing. they hook you up with the microphone and they're like, you're going to go on about this time. And I'm like, what do you want me to talk about? This is weeks before. I'm like, what do you want me to talk about? And she's like, I don't know. You're spontaneous and fun and, you know, just be yourself. Like, <laughs> okay. And then you kind of, right. Well, I, yeah. the balance for me, the juxtaposition between not wanting to let my friend down because she's trusted me enough to speak at her event yeah and it's her very first event that's dope like wanting to be liked and be of service to 160 female business type strangers like wanting to trust myself and have fun in the thing that i'm doing and talking about and then kind of like trusting in the grander purpose or universal guidance system so to speak and i think it's just a it's an odd thing to then yep. not because I've done previous talks. Like I gave a TED talk, and and that was written months ahead of time, memorized every word, damn, repetitively for weeks. So yeah, it was just like exact opposite. Go, yep. Yeah, go stand on that dot and like spit that thing that you've memorized, versus go out on the stage and just have some ideas in mind, and you know, but really just like say some shit. What'd you end up saying? I was said I don't even know. Yeah. I said some shit. Like <laughs> talked about beliefs and um and then yeah, I had him do a few little exercises. I do spoken word poetry too, so oh, cool. I like did some of that. But I think for me it's been this kind of gradual process of trusting in my own ability. Yep. And trusting in my own sort of confidence and knowledge that I can just show up and probably talk about a lot of stuff in a reasonable way because I've done so much work myself I've read so much stuff in the same way that you spent years in an ashram learning and having experiential breakthroughs it's like yeah. you, you have a tremendous <laughs> foundation that you can just show up and be like yeah, man I've I learned got this. so much yeah oh and I find as an entrepreneur type who, who works online it's it's challenging for me sometimes to value myself and my knowledge and put a price point on yeah. certain things and I forget, I, I'm just going to talk about myself for a little while. I right love now. that. Yeah. I'm so, out of breath. I, yeah, I, I forget <laughs> that, uh, that, you know, the things that I know, I learned because I spent five years doing a PhD. Like, nice. that was my ashram. What's your PhD? Uh, it's in, like, social science and environmental management. Oh, cool. Behavior change, mostly. Nice. So I did that. I'm like, I've had a couple of solid breakups. Like, I've had life experiences related to suicide and alcoholism and all kinds of trauma that I've learned about and overcome. And you forget that all of those life experiences have tremendous value. Yeah. And that anybody can go and learn that shit. But like, this is a really quick and easy way to do it. It's like, yeah. pay somebody that's done it. Pay someone that can help you. Pay someone one that's been where you are. Yeah. To like offer a bit of helpful suggestions. So you can learn the easy way instead of the hard way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It takes a long time to like, the learning of that, of all the stuff is easy. It's the integration of it. Okay, yeah, so let's 
dive into that. All right. So just, I mean, just go for it. All right. Because there's this <laughs> there's this gap between knowing something, yeah, and actually having the wisdom to change your life. Like we all know that we shouldn't speed. We all know we should floss every day our teeth. But like we don't really. No. Someone's listening right now. It's like, I floss every day. I don't. Yeah. Okay, so knowing something versus like embodying. Ooh, embodying is like the number one word here. Um, Is it it tainted? No, it's a good word. It's a good word. word. Um, What's it mean to you? Living it. I mean, it it means having integrated the knowledge and, and transmuted it into wisdom. It's like that process of of alchemizing whatever experiences you've had and turning them into the kind of the fodder for who you're going to become. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, how do you, how do you do it or how do you help people embody wisdom? Oh. I don't it's kind I don't of a even, loaded question. Yeah, I don't I mean. even know that I can speak to that in and stay in alignment with the core belief that I, you know, that everybody is their own teacher. (laughs) Yeah. I will say that, that for me, I learned one of the most important lessons that I learned at the ashram was how to hold space for myself, which is really the key to healing. And that's what, that's what allows you to be your own teacher. Like at the ashram, people have an idea about how like an ashram would be and they have this idea in their head of like people like hugging each other mm. and being like oh are you okay it's kumbaya kumbaya let's work through the trauma together and that's not the case <laughs> like just a thousand percent no what is the case <laughs> you're just kind of left to your own devices to do the work <laughs> like really nobody wants to talk to you about it like People are like, we're here doing our work. You do your karma yoga. You do your work. And we're doing our own kind of emotional labor too. And you do your own emotional labor. Mm. So like people would press your buttons. Because it's not like this community of spiritually evolved people. It's a bunch of people working on their shit in a contained environment with no TV or Wi-Fi. Like... (laughs) it's triggering it's super triggering so like everybody's just constantly pressing each other's buttons and triggering each other constantly uh, consciously or subconsciously Mm. and then they walk away and you're left holding the bag of all of your emotional baggage come to light so for me learning how realizing that nobody cared about what i was going through in like a safe way it wasn't Mm. like if you were going through if you were like really in danger in any way or mentally unstable it was attended to but like everyday stuff if you can't hold the space for yourself you're not using the tools you're not actually practicing what you're there to learn so for me that was the number one lesson was like somebody would trigger me and I would be an emotional shit show and I would be like oh my god I'm so angry, I feel so invalidated, I feel so small, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna leave. And obviously I didn't leave, but like, I would take my meals alone, I would journal, I would go for walks alone, I would like take the back paths to avoid seeing people when I was like down in the muck, and it would go. Like, 
-hmm. you know? And I, I kind of came to realize like, cause I had the highest highs emotionally there too. Um, cause it was really powerful spiritually and to be in communion and to be in connection and community with people. So I had a lot of great times, but whenever I'd have a really incredible time, I was like, ah, something's going to knock me down. And then I'd, <laughs> then I'd get knocked down and I'd be like, this isn't going to last forever. And at those moments in between, like in the kind of neutral space where everything was just like chill, I was like, yeah, this is good. Mm -hmm. Wonder what's coming next. But it, it allowed me to realize that these natural ups and downs are part of life. Mm -hmm. So that was powerful. And so what, I mean, you use this phrase, holding space for yourself, which I've never, I, I don't think I've ever heard that phrase. You don't hang know, out in the, in the meditation circles, do you? <laughs> no, I don't. So what, I guess, what does that mean for you? And then what are the tools to do that? Like you referenced going for walks or taking time alone or saying yeah. no to people. But um, So holding space for myself or for others, let's go with myself. Um, Holding space for myself means that I don't need to externally process, that I don't need anyone else's input to find my answers, um, that I can be there in the shit and trust that I will find my way back to a space of clarity. Um, and the tools kind of like, as I mentioned, walks and, and stuff like that. Journaling is really powerful. Meditation, obviously. Chanting is a big, really helpful tool that I use. And like individually? I, yeah, I chant so personally. Wh how, what do you mean? How, how do you chant? I'm not, I don't hang out with chanters, I don't think. Dude, so, such a good time. Yeah, you sit <laughs> and you just say, Om Shanti. I mean, what you, like, what do you talk me through it? So there's a lot of mantras that I learned at the ashram um, that had that kind of carry different uh, vibrations. So you can kind of like um, chant a mantra for accessing deeper strength, for accessing healing, um, to connect to a vibration of wisdom. Yeah. So. Like, do you have an example of a, of a chant? Is it like, are you, give, are you me asking strength? me to, ch to chant? <laughs> I, do you want to chant? No. Okay, don't do that. But like, would you say, give me strength or I am love? No, they're, they're all in Sanskrit. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So they are like, Om Shanti stuff. Yeah. Om Shanti stuff sounds good. So you good. just chant it on repeat? Yeah. Om Shanti stuff, Om Shanti stuff. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you kind of drop into that. Yeah. And yep. it helps you to what release transform is it it's a sort of a version of meditation i suppose because you're yeah. super focused on yep. just the chant and you're present in your body 100 so it's, it's like a, a, it's like a focused hack. attention meditation um it's a great hack and it it gets you out of your thinking mind and it drops you into your heart mm. so it's it's fucking dope because anyone can do it anyone can chant mm. It's so easy and it's so powerful. Yeah. So. So what are your like for you? Like, what's your recipe? You get a cushion <laughs> and you sit down and then you're like, how do you how do you decide? I need to chant and what what am I going to chant? Um. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I have a, a clear cut answer for you there. I think it's kind of just like kind of feel into it. Okay. And that's a really. It's a great answer. Is it? 
where you just feel <laughs> like I just need to go chant. Yeah. In the same way sometimes you feel like you need to go for a walk or I feel yep. like I need to take a nap. Or Yeah, it's the self-awareness of knowing which tools to mm. to kind of pull out of your toolbox. Right. So you're like, okay, I really need to chant right now. Yep. And then you go somewhere quiet. I'm just projecting my vision of chanting. Yeah, it doesn't have to be quiet. quiet. I, I mean, I've chanted my car in traffic. Like, yeah. Yeah. And you're like feeling stressed or anxious or angry or something? Yeah. It's like punk rock or kirtan is going to change my mood real fast. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Uh. Okay. But it's just a process of... It sounds like getting out what needs to get out, mm-hmm. right? Yep. If you're feeling stressed, like, just shout. If you're angry, like, scream into a pillow. Or if you have a lot of energy, put on some punk music and just start rocking out. Yep, totally. It's energy management. And it's mm. it's knowing which energy needs to be managed, right? If it's physical energy that needs to be shifted, if it's mental energy or thought patterns that need to be shifted, emotional energy that needs to be moved. Um, you know, this is kind of like how tantric yoga works. Like there's always tools that you can call on to shift, um, but you also can always be with what is, you know, and trust mm. that evolution is inevitable and that that experience will shift. That was a really good line. Thanks, man. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> uh, and so, but I think... You only had to wait, what, 45 minutes No, I mean, no, I mean it would be a weird podcast if every time I was like, that was really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next question. <laughs> that was also really good. Yeah, you're doing great. Next question. Um, but so you, re- you referenced building trust and, and like building trust in sitting with the discomfort mm-hmm. as part of the required evolution towards yeah. growth. Yeah. Dude, Hundred percent. I I heard this. I was listening to. Do you listen to Rich Roll? I have. I'm yeah. So so obsessed with Rich Roll. He's a dude. Yeah, he's a great dude. Yeah. Um, but I was listening to a podcast, and it was actually I think it was this PhD on like parenting teens. Lisa Demore, I think, was who said it. And she dropped this line. I was driving in traffic, and I was like, "Open notes, Siri. Open notes." <laughs> <Siri>. <laughs> she said something to the effect of like there's a lot of money to be made in the in pathologizing stress and anxiety like and in the idea that we're supposed to be calm and relaxed all the time and I was Mm -hmm. like oh my god lady you nailed it this is part of the problem with the kind of wellness spiritual culture Mm is like we want to just push away everything that sucks and we just want to like feel better and that's not how being human works yeah then we judge ourselves for feeling feelings yeah right yeah i shouldn't be upset right now oh i feel like i'm just not meditating hard enough i'm not being very mindful because i'm angry yeah no (laughs) yeah and it's like what you're talking about is like spiritual bypassing a hundred percent dude i i hate that Okay. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? Um, I mean, I don't know. How much time do we have? <laughs> I mean, I'm in your house. <laughs> so, I mean, we've got, I mean, we're at 54 minutes. Oh, we are nailing it. Smashing we could do this for days. We're good at this. Yeah. We're not bad. Yeah. Yeah. So spiritual bypassing. You <laughs> spiritual hate it. Spiritual bypassing. Why do you hate it? I hate it. 
Um, and so first, maybe, like, what is it for someone listening? Because it's a kind of a buzzword. Everybody talks about it. Like, how do you sort of de- describe it? I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to describe it. One, one kind of way is kind of like, um, you know, the like the whole good vibes only culture. Yeah. Like, you Shut know, it, yeah, like this. It's kind of like positive thinking will solve all your problems, and like what you say, you manifest. So like, you better not. Better not feel anything negative, because you're then you're just gonna get worse, because you're gonna manifest it, because mm. that's exactly how everything works. Yeah. And like, you know, using kind of like, I, I love things like crystals, like beautiful crystals. Like I have crystals up there. I got a bag of crystals in one of those boxes. Like I love crystals, but like, the idea that like if you put a crystal on your heart space and it's the right crystal, it's gonna solve your emotional woes. I don't believe that that's a thing, you know? Mm. Um, So there's that kind of side of it. There's kind of like the spiritualization of every experience of like, oh, you have cancer? Oh, you must have attracted that, like, Mm. through your negative thoughts and like kind of putting the blame on people for their experiences, Mm. Um, just kind of like throwing a spiritual answer on it like overlaying spirituality on top of everything and making Mm. it like, yeah. I'm not speaking incredibly clearly because it, uh, it's kind of broad. It's, it's kind of broad. Yeah. I think just at a, a sort of a basic level, what we were talking about is the need to actually feel quote unquote negative feelings or emotions. Like when, not being okay. Yeah, versus judging them, shaming yourself for them, and then pushing them down and repressing them inside and being dishonest about them when people ask you, like, how are yep. you feeling? Fine, great. Fine, yeah, super yeah, duper. Went to a sound bath. Everything's great. Really moved some energy. Went to Lulu. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. the way I look at this, and I'd be curious about your perspective, is that is that things just are. Right? Yeah. Like sadness just is sadness. And the problem arises when we write a story about sadness as being bad mm-hmm. or negative or something not to feel or something to avoid. Right? Yeah. In the same way we talk about anger. Like anger is just anger. Like anger is great. It can be really good for creativity and yep. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, then and we judge ourselves and, based on the stories. And another, I want to say two things. The first thing, we can't know joy without sadness. And we can't know peace without anger. Like, they're two sides of the same coin. Hang on, say that again, because I feel like that was really deep. Was, we can't know joy without sadness. It was medium deep, man. <laughs> we can't know joy without sadness. Right, and, and the we, second one? We can't know peace without anger. Mm. So Dualism. It's Yeah, 100%. Like, it's both emotions... And experiences are valid and important as part of the human experience. Mm. And when we try to reject parts of the human experience, we create fragmentation within ourselves, I think. Um, and the other thing I was going to say, oh, shit, what was it? Hold on. It was really good, the other thing. Well, maybe that's all that's coming out then. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. Yeah. It's like I kind of see it as a spectrum of, 
over like a negative to positive spectrum, right? So like on one end, perhaps you have grief or rage and the other end, joy and bliss, right? Yep. And we try to like eliminate the grief and rage part. So we kind of break that part off, but it's connected to the other end of the joy and bliss. So then yep. automatically that end breaks off. And when we try to just numb ourselves, we get closer and closer to the middle where we don't get to experience all of the positives because we're not allowing ourselves to feel any of the negatives. Yep. Yeah. I I see that a lot, actually, in like kind of the mindfulness. I don't want to say the mindfulness community, but there's like there are people who are so like obsessed with emotional balance Mm. that they don't let themselves have deep emotional experiences on either end. Mm, like trying to stay right in the middle trying to stay right in the middle and it's i think it really decreases the fullness of life when when you kind of do that thing Mm. yeah what have we not talked about that that you feel like i feel really passionate about this and i really want to say this and if there's nothing that's also fine but i'm just conscious i've been here for an hour and you, you have things to do. We have a, we're going to a, a fundraiser tonight for for a political candidate. I oh. don't I don't want to speak about politics, but we're going to a DNC event at the Dolby tonight. I don't want to speak about to- politics, yeah. but it's a democratic fundraiser. It's a democratic <laughs> fundraiser at the Dolby. At the Dolby. Is there a candidate? I mean, it's Pete Buttigieg and Mayor Garcetti. Okay. Yeah. Great. I have to wear business attire. Oh. I don't know what... Well, like, I mean... I don't know what that is. I mean, for you, it's just, like, yoga pants. That's not what they want. (laughs) That's your business, though, right? Yeah, I'm a meditation teacher. This is business attire. Yeah, Yeah, you're fancy. Is that not clear? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I think I do want to say one thing. So, one little piece of the puzzle, like, I feel so passionately about Yoga Nidra as um, a key to kind of everyone's healing process and everyone's growth process and everyone ev- yeah okay i get it. cool <laughs> yeah i should have led with that <laughs> no i'm like no that's a, that's a bold statement i like yeah. bold statements so um and one of the reasons one of the reasons i got so excited about it early on um because i found this practice in 2008 in new zealand mm-hmm. and I had had a lot of issues like with anxiety, a lot of issues with insomnia through my life up to that point, and I still do. Like, I'm not going to be like, now I don't have any experiences that are negative. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anxiety is bad. No, I still have anxiety. Um, but the first time I practiced it, I had never, and I know I said, like, when you were like, what don't you want to talk about? And I was like, drugs. Yeah, you did um, say that before we started recording. Yeah. And and now you just brought up that issue. Correct. Okay. But it's it's within context. <laughs> so like I grew up in a town where people did a lot of drugs. And I never did. And people did really, really hard drugs. Um, like heroin and like all sorts of uh painkillers, opioids. And I never went down that path. And I'm really like epically grateful that I never did. But a lot of people that I was close to did. And I understood at a young age, it was because they didn't know how to deal with the sadness, with the pain, with the anxiety that they were feeling. Because nobody teaches you how to deal with that shit when you're 15. So like, or ever, right. So I had all these people in my life who were going down some really bad paths really young. 
And when I found Yoga Nidra, um, I realized that it offered the experience that a lot of people were seeking in drugs and that kind of like dissolving of the mm. mind, that dissolving um, kind of even of the body where you just kind of merge into this deep state of bliss and this um, just kind of pure spacious awareness where, you know, you don't, you're not kind of thinking about yourself and your quote unquote ego self, like your, your identity. You're not thinking about your story. You're just deeply immersed in this really transcendent experience that because like people would tell me what heroin was like and I was like shit that sounds awesome <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> Jesus I get it mm. um but there was this like peace that I realized that like in meditation you can find that connection to just release of the the identity release of the story and and yoga nidra kind of takes you to that spot really fast mm. so it was really powerful to me for me to realize that because i think it's still kind of coming up in the world as a practice and mm. we haven't fully explored its healing potential yet um but i, I i'm in the talks with a, a yoga studio in philly right now to offer a training there for yoga nidra they're a recovery-based studio and the studio owner and I were talking the other day and she like echoed exactly my thoughts on this. She's like, yeah, people in recovery are loving this practice because it's allowing them access to that really deep state of peace that they only knew was available through drugs before. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. It felt important to share that. I love that you shared that. Yeah. Great. And so if someone's listening right now, go and find a Yoga Nidra class. A class. Or you you have stuff. Can, can yeah. you promote your stuff? You, uh, you're good, right? You're uh, on Insight Timer and what I'm else? I'm fine. Yeah. Um, meditation Chick on Instagram. Um, meditation Chick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's I your couldn't, website too. That's right? my website. That's my everything. Because I'm not, like we talked about my last name a little yeah. It's not that that's not a place to to give people like I'm not going to be like, go to Hillary They'll be like, how do you spell that? And what's your name? Yeah. So meditation chick is is my is my Instagram, and my website. Um, I have links to meditations on in, on Instagram and I have a, a bunch of practices up on Insight Timer. Um, I'll be getting a few more uploaded soon because I finally figured out how to record at home. Um, right. And I'll put yeah. links to all this stuff in the show notes. If you're listening, just click the show notes, and there will be links to her website, Instagram, and a meditation. Yeah. I can I can give you a link to, like, directly to a meditation. Sure. Yeah. yeah. If, I'm just thinking, like, if somebody just listened for an hour, and they're like, yeah, I'd like to she try that. She sounds all right. She said that everybody <laughs> should do this, and that it's transformational and yeah. somewhat analogous to heroin. Uh, 
How do I get a little of that? I don't, I don't want to create that out in the world, but like, it's really amazing. Yeah. Like, so it's. Like, uh, is there a way we can give them a little. Yeah, we can know, give them a little, little yoga taste? nidra. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Because selfishly, I'm interested now. Dude, you need to do it. I mean, well, we just talked about yeah. it. You're not supposed to say that to people. Oh, you're. Oh, right. Um, You might really enjoy it. Oh. I, that makes me see, want to do it myself. See how it works for you. I'm so curious now to make an empowered self-decision. Great idea. Wow. I'll say no more. <laughs> yeah, but fuck. Like, I think, too, for, for myself and for people listening, you know, when you're, when you're in the muck or if you're a little bit bored or you have some stuff to work through, it's very easy to get stuck or yep. frustrated. And one way around that or one way through that is to just try a bunch of shit try some meditation try some yoga go for a walk do some journaling do all the things that everybody talks about and maybe one of them will land and one of them will give you a breakthrough of some kind or even just nudge you a little bit forward towards where you're supposed to be yeah it's all breadcrumbs it's all breadcrumbs you know it's a good line too leading you leading you through the woods yeah and we're all just uh, like Ram Dass said, right? We're all just walking each other home. Yeah. Oh, God. That makes me want to cry. It's okay. Crying's okay. It's a beautiful... It is. I'm not going to reject tears. No. Yeah. Um, you're fantastic <laughs> as a human. And I'm glad that we're BFFs now. Yep. And, um, and thanks for sharing your heart and your past and your soul with us today. It's... Yeah, I just admire you. It's great. Thanks, man. I want to... I wish I had a podcast so I could interview you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one day. Let's just hang out. Okay. Yeah, let's be friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, any final thoughts? We we hit all the things like you. I think we hit fucking everything. Yeah, we went in. Okay. Yeah. Smashed it. How do you feel? I feel great. All right. Done. Peace out. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. It's kind of fun, right? I've never really sat down and talked with somebody that has lived for so long in so many ashrams and who knows so much about meditation and yoga nidra. I'm stoked to dive into that and see if it helps me slumber more peacefully or if I feel more calm in my veins. Hillary is great. Super fun package of uh, deep humor and profundity. So, Check her out online at Meditation Chick, and I'm going to include a bunch of info in the show notes so you can dive in and try her Yoga Nidra meditation. So that'll be fun. And let me know what you think. You know what I think? I think you're fucking great. And I adore you. And I'm glad that you're here listening to my voice as you walk or drive or do laundry or have sex, whatever it is you're doing. It'd be kind of weird if you're having sex right now listening to me talk about you having sex right that's a weird thing anyway thanks for the five star reviews thanks for sharing this on the internet thanks for passing it along to your friends and family this helps me get more positive impactful messaging out into the world and it helps me live my dreams so i'm very grateful for you and i hope that you have a big smile on your face right now and that you enjoy the rest of your day because you know what you are a living breathing rainbow